Doctor Who, Destiny of the Daleks, by Terry Nation, novelised by Terence Dix. Chapter 1. The Dead City Through the vortex, that mysterious region where time and space are one, sped a police box that was not a police box at all. It was in fact a highly sophisticated space-time ship called the TARDIS, a name taken from its initials, Time and Relative Dimensions in Space. Inside its impossibly large control room, for the TARDIS was dimensionally transcendental, was a many-sided central console. Beside it, a very tall man with a shock of curly hair was making minute adjustments to the larynx of a robot dog. The robot dog was called Canine, and the man trying to repair it was that mysterious traveller in time and space known as the Doctor. He wore loose, comfortable clothing, topped off with a broad-brimmed, floppy soft hat and an incredibly long, multicoloured scarf. He was muttering crossly as he worked. How can a robot possibly get laryngitis? What do you need it for? And naturally enough, poor canine didn't reply. Without looking up, the doctor yelled, Romana! A girl came into the room, carrying with some difficulty a full-length mirror on a stand. Yes, doctor. The doctor looked up and blinked in astonishment. The girl who had answered his call wasn't the girl he expected. Or at least she didn't look like the girl he expected. Ah, sorry, I thought you were Romana. Have you seen her? And anyway, what are you doing here? Regenerating. Do you like it? Nonsense. Only Time Lords regenerate, and you're not a Time Lord. You're Princess Astra, and we left you back on Atrios. The Doctor remembered his manners. It's, ah, uh, it's very nice to see you again, Princess Astra. But how did you get into the TARDIS? Did you stow away? Doctor, I'm Romana, I tell you. The girl set up the mirror in a corner, and began studying her reflection thoughtfully. The Doctor stared at her, the face and the body were Princess Astra's, even the voice. There was something else. The essence, the personality, was that of Romana. The Doctor realised that he was indeed looking at his Time Lady companion in the body of Princess Astra, or, to be more accurate, in a body exactly like it. The explanation was simple enough, at least to the Doctor. Time Lords had the power of bodily regeneration, the ability to change a damaged or worn-out body for a new one by a unique and complex process of molecular readjustment. Although they weren't immortal, they went through a considerable number of reincarnations in the course of their amazingly long lives. What surprised the Doctor was not the mere fact of Romana's regeneration, but the seeming casualness with which she was treating the occasion, not to mention the degree of regeneration control she seemed able to exercise. The Doctor's own regenerations had been rather haphazard affairs, usually in response to some kind of crisis, and the bodies he'd acquired had been very much a matter of potluck. Romana, on the other hand, seemed to be changing bodies as casually as she might have changed her dress, except that the body she'd finished up with was a direct copy of someone else's. The Doctor frowned, remembering that in a purely academic sense, Romana's qualifications from the Time Lord Academy were higher than his own, and no doubt that accounted for her superior control. Rather reprovingly, he said, You can't wear that body! Why 
why not? I thought it looked very nice on the princess. You can't go round wearing copies. Well, I don't see why not. Romana gave a twirl in front of the mirror, studying the effect of the new body and the new dress she'd chosen to go with it. I mean, it would be a bit embarrassing if she and I both turned up at the same party wearing identical bodies. But as we're not going back to Atrios again... The doctor shook his head. No, he said firmly. It just won't do. Go and try another one. Go on. Romana sniffed indignantly and marched out. The doctor went on working. Some time later, a very small girl came in and posed in front of the mirror. I quite like this one, but it's a bit short. The doctor spoke without looking up. We'll go away and lengthen it. The small girl went out. For a time, the doctor was able to get on with his work in peace. The piece ended when someone else strode heavily into the room. The doctor addressed the silent canine. Fancy trying to look like someone else. It's all vanity anyway. People attach too much importance to outside appearances. It's what's inside that counts. He looked up to see an enormously tall girl looming over him. Uh, no, 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 far too big, he said crossly. The retransformed Romana went out again. The doctor worked on. Soon Romana reappeared in the guise of an exotic female of some alien race. Ugh! Take it away, said the doctor. The apparition retreated hastily. The doctor sighed. Look, he called. All you want is something warm and sensible, something that will wear well, with a little style and flair to it. There was no answer from the adjoining room. Soon afterwards, yet another girl appeared. She wore a long coat, high boots, and a very long multicoloured scarf, and a big floppy hat, which almost covered her face. Like this, Doctor. The Doctor looked up and beamed approvingly at the outfit, which had something strangely familiar about it. Now that's more like it. Good heavens, that's absolutely right for you. I never knew you had such a sense of style. He stood up, and the girl spun around before him. I thought you said external appearances weren't important, Doctor. Uh, well, no, but it's nice to get them right, though, isn't it? I mean, how wrong can he go with a look like this? The doctor lifted the brim of the floppy hat, looked underneath, and saw an attractive but very familiar face. Romana had come almost full circle. She was back in her Princess Astra body. Oh, no, groaned the doctor. What's the matter? Don't you like it? I think it will do very nicely. Imposing forehead, nice hair, neat little chin. The arms are a bit long, but I can always take them in a bit. No, the arms are just fine, said the doctor helplessly. It's just that... He sighed, realising he'd been outmanoeuvred. Oh, all right, have it your own way. Oh, good. I'll go and get rid of these silly clothes, then. But I like that outfit. Never mind, said Romana demurely. Remember, doctor, it's what's inside that counts. She turned to leave. Incidentally, where are we going? I don't know. That's up to the randomizer, remember? At the end of their last adventure, Romana and the Doctor had almost been tricked into handing over the all-important key to time to the evil Black Guardian. At the last moment, the Doctor had tricked his adversary, scattering fragments of the key to the far corners of the cosmos. And to escape the enraged Black Guardian's vengeance, the Doctor had built a device called the Randomizer into the directional controls of the TARDIS. The Black Guardian could hardly discover where he was going next if he didn't know himself. Romana shivered feeling that they had exchanged the frying pan of the Black Guardian's revenge for the fire of any number of unknown dangers. She smiled bravely. Well, wherever it is, call me when we get there. She went away, and the doctor continued to work on canine. The landscape was bleak and harsh, an arid stone plain scattered with strangely angular rocks. 
Thunder growled menacingly in a dark and alien sky, and the very ground seemed to shiver and vibrate. Beneath a mountain of loose rocks was an overhanging cliff edge. A wheezing, groaning sound mingled with the noise of the thunder, and the square blue shape of the TARDIS materialised directly beneath the overhang. The thunder rumbled, the ground shook, and a scattering of loose stones began rolling down the mountainside and pattering on the roof of the TARDIS. The doctor was studying his instruments. We've arrived, Romana, he called. Romana's voice floated from the next room. What's the place like? Breathable atmosphere, but a high degree of seismic activity. What do you mean, psychic activity? Ghosts? Lots of earthquakes. Oh, seismic. I thought you said psychic. The doctor was only half listening. Psychic. He mumbled, baffled. Romana misheard him. Like it? How do I know I haven't seen it yet? The conversation didn't seem to be getting very far. Romana, if you want to talk to me, will you please come here and do it properly? Romana came into the control room, still in her Princess Astra body, but now wearing her new outfit tailored to fit. There! What do you think? Very nice, said the doctor perfunctorily, and handed her two pills. Take these, will you? What are they? Anti-radiation capsules. The levels out there are very high. He handed her a tiny device, rather like an egg timer. Here's a bleeper. It'll go off when you need the next dose. Romana swallowed two pills, then stowed the bleeper away in a belt pouch, pleased that the doctor seemed to be taking sensible precautions for once. Let's see where we are. She switched on the scanner. It showed a bare rock wall. Oh, very promising, said the doctor. Well, we'd better go and have a look. I suppose so. The doctor picked up Canine's brain section and inserted it back into the case. Immediately, the little automaton began rushing backwards and making rasping, whirring sounds. The doctor dived on Canine, making a quick readjustment, and the robot dog was still. Romana looked down at him. What went wrong? Ah, <laughs> I'm afraid I forgot the most important thing my cybernetics teacher taught me. What was that? When replacing robot brain, always make sure arrow A is pointing to the front. The doctor got to his feet and opened the TARDIS doors. They stood outside the TARDIS, looking around them. There was little to see, just an endless bare plain with a scattering of rocks stretching away into the fast-gathering darkness. Not the most inviting of planets, is it, Doctor? You know, said the Doctor softly, I have the most extraordinary feeling I've been here before. The sensation of familiarity known as déjà vu was a common phenomenon amongst time travellers. Just an impression, or something you actually recognise? Nothing tangible. I just seem to sense something, a pervading air of... Evil? Yes, evil. You feel it too, then? Shall we go back to the TARDIS and try somewhere else? The Doctor considered for a moment. Perhaps it would be better to go back, but his sense of curiosity was too strong for him. That and a strange feeling of... destiny. Randomizer or no, somehow the Doctor felt he had come to this planet because he was meant to come here. He gave Romana a look of mock indignation. Go back and leave me wondering for the rest of time where I'd been. I'd never sleep at nights. Determinedly, the Doctor set off, and a little reluctantly, Romana followed him. As they moved away, a few more loose rocks slithered down the mountain and rattled against the roof of the TARDIS. They walked for some time across the featureless plain, and soon the TARDIS was swallowed up by the darkness that gathered around them. All the time great thundering claps of thunder rolled around the darkening alien sky, and the ground beneath their feet seemed to shudder in response. 
The doctor stopped and picked up a handful of pebbles, studying them thoughtfully. Interesting. Precious stones? Only in the archaeological sense, but in that way they could be more valuable than diamonds. He looked around. I need a larger sample to be certain. Ah, there we are. The doctor pointed to a squarish rock, half buried in the ground. He knelt beside it and cleared away the surrounding rubble, rubbing the lichen from the rock's smooth surface. Yes, I was right. As usual. How modest, doctor. We'll see what you make of it, challenged the doctor. Romana knelt and studied the block. Some kind of composite material. Gravel in a binding of limestone and clay? The doctor nodded approvingly. And limestone and clay make cement. Correct, and if you add gravel, you get concrete. Congratulations, Romana. You have all the makings of a first-class navvy. Yes, concrete or the closest alternative this planet can produce. The point is, it was manufactured, Romana. Manufactured. The doctor gestured at the endless rocky plain around them. All this rock and stone, all these fragments, all manufactured. Brick, concrete, plaster, cement, all pounded and pulverized, reduced to rubble. He straightened up. We're walking across the remains of what was once a great city. A great city brought to dust. But by what? The only answer was another roll of thunder.